Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Service for all brands of print equipment in your office? Yeah, Digitex does that. D-I-G-I-T-E-X dot C-A on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. It is 1232 in Edmonton. Bob Stoffer and Brendan Escott with you. Want to tell you, Roos Chris Steakhouse, the greatest steak you've ever had. Edmonton owned and operated. Open Wednesday through Sunday from 5 p.m. until close. Head down to 9990 Jasper Avenue. Tell Brendan, Maggie, Taylor, and the staff at Roos Chris that Oilers Now sent you. As we head off to our Oilers Now headliner today, he is a very popular guest on this show. Our headliner is brought to you by Touchback Safety. Touchback remains open for training and taking all necessary precautions to ensure the safety of their staff and clients. We welcome back to the show, Louie DeBrusque. Hey, Louie, how are you doing? We're doing well, Bob. How are you doing today? Good. Hey, uh, you know what? We opened with uh, Pearl Jam. And was it you Was it you that told me you saw Pearl Jam, like, before they were kind of Pearl Jam uh, back in the day, and you knew right away that they were pretty good? Well, it was actually my buddy Scott Palmer that dragged me to the concert, and he said, you got to come and listen to these guys. They're up and coming. They're unbelievable. Where was that? Cobo Hall? It was Cobo Hall that we went and watched that concert. <laughs> The Shaw Convention Center now, right? Yeah. And, uh, yeah, Shaw Convention Center. Sorry. But, yeah, so we went in there. I think it was, I don't know, maybe six, eight, ten thousand 10,000 people, if that. And uh, I'll tell you, they rocked it. They rocked it unbelievable. It was an incredible concert. One of the best concerts I've ever been to, actually, up close and personal. It was just an amazing effect. And then they took off after that. Well, after that concert was done, I think the following year, they uh, were pretty much sold any building that they went into. Yeah, Uh there was the story uh, back in the day, Eddie Vedder's from Chicago, and he's a big White Sox and Bulls and uh, Chicago Bears fan, and he got in a bar fight, actually, with Blackjack McDowell down in, uh, like, Louisiana or Florida or someplace down in the Deep South. And there's always this crossover between, uh, you know, hockey, you know, athletes, professional athletes, and, and musicians, or they, or, you know, or sometimes it's actors. So on that note, uh, Lou, i got to ask you, you know, in your in your travels and your extensive opportunities that you've had, and it could even be during your time as a media guy, but, you know, who are some of the famous, you know, maybe singers or, uh, you know, movie stars or people like that that you've met that have kind of, you're like, wow, I just met that guy. Boy, good question. You know what? We always kind of went to a ton of concerts, and that was one of the benefits of uh, playing in a, in a city, having a building where, building where you played your home games and tickets and concerts that would come in. Whenever we had a chance, we always wanted to go and take in a good concert. Uh, I got to meet uh, Aerosmith backstage, which was pretty cool. Um, that was in uh, Tampa Bay. And uh, Garth Brooks, you know, obviously his his charitable donations and his charity. He works with the NHL and sporting teams. We got to meet him a couple of times. He's just an amazing individual. Um, 
you know, Clint Eastwood. Clint Eastwood for me, and that was when Peter Pockman used to have the um, the Pockman and Classic and Gerald Ford Classic, uh, where we would go and we'd golf with the president and, and have a dinner, and, and Clint Eastwood came in one day, and I got a photograph with him. That's one of my most charitable uh, or cherishable uh, pictures that I have is uh, – is that picture with him? I've always liked Clint Eastwood. So yeah, I, you know, you get to to meet great people and amazing human beings, and when you meet them in real life, you find out they're uh, they're just like us. They're down to earth and pretty uh, pretty normal people. But Clint was funny because he walked in, you know, just himself, just like you'd expect him to. He walked into the gathering, started talking to people, shaking hands, and just was, you know, just one of the boys right away. Uh, yeah, that's that's uh, that's pretty cool. Drew Remenda, as you know, is a huge movie fan, and he he uh, has a stolen line from Unforgiven right at the end of the movie. Deserved has nothing to do with it. Whereas, movie. That is a great movie. That is, and that's yeah. a great scene at the end of the. You know, I I love that flick back in the day. You know, it's funny. Um, we had an event. Uh, I'm thinking it might have been 2010 or 11. Down in uh, down in Palm Springs, and and there were a lot of high profile Edmontonians there, and Peter Pocklington was there, and like I'm I, I'm telling you, some of the truly wealthiest people at Edmonton wanted to meet Peter Pocklington. I, I got to go say hi to Peter. That's Peter. Like it, 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 you know, it's, it, because now we bring up, and of course he was so warmly received when they did the. Uh, 30th anniversary of the 84 Stanley Cup championship by Oilers fans, which shows that you can forgive and forget. But it just, there's still a little bit of that, you know, that's, I mean, that was your boss back, or, you know, your owner back in the day, Louie, when you played, you know what I mean? Absolutely, and that's one thing you forget, too, when you're in, you play a sport for a living and you're traveling around, you're playing with stars like Wayne Gretzky, you and I have spent time with Wayne multiple times, you know, he's to me, one of the biggest stars for me ever and that I've ever met because he's the greatest player that's ever played. But you forget that people that are on the outside looking in kind of look at these people as as stars as well, too. And it's, it's amazing to see people interact with uh, with with people they that are their idols or icons when they come up to them. It's always, for me, it's always been kind of a special thing, and I always like to take that in. Whenever we come into a city, and you know it, there's autograph seekers that are there waiting for the players to get off the bus. They'll wait till the wee hours of the night to try and get an autograph. And listen, I understand that some of these people make this a business and all that, but you know what? The root of that really is from being a fan, from being, you know, someone that loves the game and is passionate about the sport and the players. And yeah, I always like seeing that. I like seeing guys take the time. I know that uh, Connor always stops for a few and makes sure that he tries to sign some, and I know that they get harassed everywhere they go. But I just think they make such a difference with people when they can stop and just say hello, sign an autograph, get a quick picture. That's an, that's a, an opportunity in a situation where I think those people will remember that for the rest of their lives. They'll remember that till the day they die, the time that somebody stopped, took two seconds to say hello and get a picture. I think that's, uh, you know, it's awesome. I think it's great. Well, he's called a great Gretzky, and I think you and me can attest to the fact, and I'm sure Jack Michaels would say this as well, since Wayne's been around a, a, a decent amount over the last four years, as good, you know, as great a player as he was on the ice, the way he treats people off the ice. I mean, you just, you're like, wow, there's a lesson in that. Like, he treats people so well. Uh, but he also is devoid of ego. And, like, I watched this thing on Michael Jordan after the uh, Lakers won the NBA championship, Louie. And somebody you know, sent this video of, uh, to me uh, of Michael Jordan saying he would never say he was the greatest. 
he goes, because it's air to air. I like, how do I know I, you know, was better than, you know, what about Wilt Chamberlain? You know, what about Oscar Robertson in basketball? And, and how many times have we had this conversation with Wayne? And he's never once referred to himself as the greatest. You know what I mean? Like, he's like, well, what about Gordy Howe? You know, what about Bobby Orr? And it, it, it is an interesting conversation, isn't it? It is. And you know what? It's, but it's what makes them the greatest players in the world, you know, in my opinion. I think the fact that they're never satisfied, you know, that for me, you know, when you look at the greatest players in any sport, uh, greatest people in any profession, there's just that never settle type of attitude. They always want to get better. They're always watching, trying to make sure they're working on their game. And I find that fascinating, too, because that's the drive inside that pushes them to be the greatest players in their respective sports. And if you watch that documentary with Michael Jordan, I mean, that guy was, it's the competitiveness. It's unbelievable. It's off the charts. They just can't stand getting beat. They can't stand getting beat one-on-one. They can't stand their team losing. And it's that losing was just so frustrating and And I remember coming onto the Oilers in 91, 92, when I first got to Edmonton, and they had won five Stanley Cups, and that attitude was in the room still. It was, they just, when you lost, there was a different feeling after the game than on a a team that I'd been on previously and after when they lost, because it was just, it was a burning kind of negativity where we need to get out of that and try and win. And I think that that's what makes champions. That's what makes championship teams. And when you have that attitude and you have those players that just never quit trying to get better and, and, and make sure that they're on top of their game and the best they can possibly be, it's really easy to follow that. It's really easy to follow that, and it brings the best out in the other players on the team. And it, we've seen that through history. And, I mean, LeBron James is another one now for me. Um, that guy makes you want to watch the game. That guy makes you want to tune in and watch because you know that he's doing something really special right now. I mean, this guy just continues to get to finals. doesn't matter what team he's on. He just continues to push himself to that spot and be the best player in the game. The, the only difference is they can load up, and the players play a factor in who loads up where, one or two teams. It's a little bit different in that regards. We're joined by Louis DeBrusque, uh, Bob Stoffer with you on Oilers Now. Uh, Louis, Dave Tippett was on the show a couple days ago. We haven't heard a lot from Dave since the Oilers, uh, you know, went out in four in the play-in series against Chicago, and obviously a very disappointing time for the fans. A couple things. Uh, you saw Kyle Turris a bit in Arizona, uh, and then he really developed into a player in Ottawa. And then Dave referenced his time in the World Championship and where he was deployed as a third-line center. Um, and also, yes, a Yarvi, and Dave was pretty effusive in his praise of the maturation that's occurred with Paul Yarby based on the conversations they've had. Do the Oilers have a chance, Louie, to have a third line that maybe they didn't have last season? 100%. You know, I, I think so. And, it, you know, time will only tell. I mean, obviously these are all decisions and and movements that are made now to hope that it comes together and the pieces fit and you get what the result that you want from the team. But, uh, no, listen, I, I think Kyle can certainly fill in that third-line center position, no question. It's easy for him um, in the sense that he's he's kind of done it already before. He's done it in different situations, different teams. He's been an offensive player in this league, but he also understands the defensive side of the game. He's a smart, cerebral player. Uh, 
it'll be interesting. I, I think he's going to slide in there and he'll be fine. I know he has a great work ethic. I know that in Phoenix, when he was a young, young player, when he first got drafted, I just remember he'd come in and there was a you know Camelback Mountain. There was a thing that the, the young Phoenix Coyotes at that time would do. They'd run up that mountain and it was for time. You know, you go up there and it was a, it's it's a good stiff climb. It's a nice. Um, um, time going up there because I've done it a few times and I did it with the group one time and he was always the guy that would be the first one up to the top of that hill. He was always in excellent shape and he was always pushing himself to try and beat that time. So he has that competitiveness that we just talked about. And that's what's made him have a great career. He's carved out a terrific career for himself because he's been able to always kind of find a way to make sure that he's playing a valuable role. And that's why he was signed by the Oilers, and they're hoping he can come in and do that. And I don't see any reason why he can't. As far as Paul Yarvey, you know, I've watched a little video on him, and this year he's scoring goals again. And, and there are some differences I'm seeing in his game from my own personal opinion. I just think there's a calmness to his game now. There's a confidence to his game that I'm seeing. And I, I know it's hard to pick up on video, but I just see a guy, and I think maturation is a perfect word for him. I think he's really starting to come into his own. Uh, interesting, you know, the hip surgeries that he had, there's no question that was debilitating a bit for him. He looks like he's moving well. He's got that great one-timer, too, and I think that's something that we saw him fan on a lot. You know, he was trying. I think the speed of the game was a little much for him first coming in. So when you're off on that timing, everything's a little bit off a little bit. And I think that's just something as you get older and you get used to, you start to be able to perform at that level. And they're hoping he can come back and do that, too, because he's still very young. He's still a very young prospect that uh, I, I totally believe in giving people fresh starts and a clean slate and saying, hey, let's see what you got. You've gone back. You put the work in. Let's see when you come back what you can do now. And, um, hey, it's motivating for him. It's a real opportunity because there's some very, very good centermen to be playing with here in Edmonton. All right. So here's the deal, Louis. Uh, a year ago at this time, I mean, the orders were probably eight games in the season. We didn't know if Connor Yamamoto could be an NHL player, let alone a top six player. I mean, yep. I know you and me. Had, I Great wanted Yamam- yep. I wanted Yamamoto up because I I know what I saw down on the minors, and I was like he had progressed. Now the funny thing is with Paul Yarby, a lot of people were making a big deal about the preseason in Carpat. The problem with the finished preseason is they were playing semi-pro teams, and they played a lot of three on three. And I mean, he's playing against guys that are working as teachers. And then playing hockey at night, right? Like now, it's different now that they've got into a league of play. They've played seven games in a league of play. They've had a couple games canceled because of some COVID situations in that league, but it's a better barometer in terms of the finish league versus the uh, the preseason. But it just again, it just shows you what a difference a year makes with Yamamoto. We've got him as a stone. I think it's fair to say most fans, and maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong. You can text us on the Ashley Fine Floors text line. The guy had 26 points and was plus 27 yeah. or plus 17 in 27 games last year. Most fans would say he's a top six forward. Right now, I don't think anybody's saying Pulleyarby's a top six forward. But could he be a top six forward by this time next year, Louie? Who knows? You know what? And I think that's what we're all waiting to see. We're all waiting to see exactly where he slides in, what the progression's been for him, and it'll be real fun to watch. It'll be fun to watch when this gets going again just to see how he adapts and steps in and where he is placed and his attitude, how he works, uh, where Dave Tippett can kind of inject him in and try and 
give him the benefit of the doubt in situations as well, too. He's played with Connor. He's played with Leon. He's been in situations, so he's kind of familiar with it all. So he understands what's at stake and the opportunity that's there. There's no question. He's coming back here with his eyes wide open this time, knowing exactly what is there, the possibilities, and he's going to be hungry. I think that's a good thing. I really do. There's nothing wrong with a young player not having success right away. Sometimes you, you have to learn the game at a different level. And that, to me, was the situation with Pugliarvi. You just need to kind of get some seasoning. And like I said, he's still a young man. I think there's the, the future is still potentially bright for him. And listen, I'm, I'm glad they got a deal done. I really am. I, I thought that this was going to go a different way. I thought he was going to just continue to stay over there until his rights were traded and yep. he was just going to go somewhere else. But I think you got to give Ken Holland a lot of credit here, Dave Tippett, for convincing him to come over and give it a shot. Because it is a new regime here. It's a new regime in Edmonton, and it's a new opportunity, and that's the way he has to look at it. And sometimes that's all it takes for a young player to catch fire and take off. That's That remains to be seen, but I'm looking forward to watching that unfold. Hey, Louie, we're going to use a little insider knowledge here. Do you think Zdeno, Zdeno Char ends up re-signing in Boston? <laughs> um, good question. I'm not sure. I, I think that... Uh, you know, for Z, he he's got to weigh all options. He's got to look at it from an individual right now, where he where he stands with his family, his age, what he's looking for from this contract. But I would suggest that for for Zidano, I do still think Boston is still in their window. I think Boston's in their window, and it is closing, in my opinion, because the older players and core of that team is is not getting any younger, but. There still is a small little window there for me where that team can potentially win the cup. So looking at it from that perspective, from Zdeno Chara's perspective, that's a guy you want in your room. It's a guy that's a leader through and through off and on the ice, just the way he approaches the game and approaches life. Um, selfishly, for with my kid on the team, I'd like to see him there as a leader. I just don't know if the role will be the same to start with potentially, but if he continues to play and plays how he has in the past, I mean, he always starts off a little slow in my opinion, but then once he gets into the flow of the season is where he's the best. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't, so I don't know how he'll handle if they don't want to play him in back to backs or they don't want to play him every game. If that's part of the situation, I don't know if that can be the the role for him because I I think he needs the repetitions to get himself prepared and into the flow of being such a big frame to kind of play at this pace. The problem with him, though, is he suffered a couple of injuries in the last couple of years that have set him back from that. He's gotten right into playing at that peak, and then he's got hurt, and then therefore he's kind of had to pull out, and now you're trying to reestablish that game at tough times during the season. I mean, he played with a broken jaw for crying out loud in the final. I mean, this is a guy that, you know, I mean, that cage, that had to be uncomfortable but uh listen this guy's a warrior and for me personally selfishly i'd love to see him back he is the best in my opinion he's the best free agent signing in nhl history uh they got him back in 06 they've been a different franchise since they got him and you know what Louis, i'm just going to throw this at you you talk about leadership and culture and all those things and bergeron's a huge part of that as well boston drafted and developed player now they have marshawn and pasternak coming um uh, you know we'll see where mcavoy goes in terms of assuming more leadership and time can you import leadership? Like the Oilers signed Ference, and in, in fairness to Andrew, he was 33 at the time. Uh, they brought in Lucic, and Lucic wasn't the same player that he was with the Bruins. It, can you import leadership, or do you have to grow it organically? Ryan O'Reilly. You so can you import can, leadership. You, you can import leadership. 
There you go. Absolutely. 100%. You pick up the right person, and they can become your leader. And I think there's no question what the St. Louis Blues did two years ago, or last year. Um, you know, it just shows you. They brought in Shen. They brought in, you know, Brian O'Reilly to me, who won the Con Smythe and was just invaluable in uh, in every aspect of the game. You know, in every aspect of that team. We talked about him a ton again this year in the playoffs. It's almost impossible not to talk about him as a player when you're calling a game with Ryan O'Reilly because he does so many little things that are just so amazing. And a lot of times they don't look amazing until you break it down. Sometimes you have to look at it again and go, wow. Uh, you know, when he sprung Shen on the breakaway for the overtime goal, I, it was him that punched that puck up the ice, and I missed it. I totally missed it on my call. But then when I watched it again, I'm like, wow, that was deliberate. That was meant to be there. And those are the little plays that I find amazing from players that have the wherewithal to know where everybody is on the ice. I mean, Shen was coming off the bench, so he picked him up coming off the bench, not even being on the ice in the first place, knew where he was, and just made that little flick of that big paddle that he uses to send him in on the breakaway for the for the goal. I just, you know, he's, he, he's an elite player, but he does it through – you know, that 200-foot game that I think we all yeah. appreciate so much. Yeah, him and Bergeron are the – and maybe Taze, you know, or probably – 100%. Uh, Taze is a guy there. I think – I mean, I'd like to see him be a hawk his whole career because I just think – you know, I just like seeing players, the Eisermans of the world, you know, the Sackics of the world, for me, that just stay with the team respectively and close out their career with that team. Now, both of those players won Stanley Cup, so they didn't have to leave to go and try and find that – that elusive cup to win, right. so they didn't. So they had that comfort of being able to stay with that franchise. But I've always appreciated that. And Jonathan Taze is no different. He's won three Stanley Cups with the Chicago Blackhawks, so he could be a hawk for life. And I'd be totally fine with that because I just think that's, you know, that's something that's going by the wayside more and more every year. Louis, uh, you got? Do you have Scott with you right now driving? Because I he's just, right here. Say yeah, all right. Hey, Scott, take care, my man. All right. <laughs> Will do, Bob. Thanks. All right. Uh, that's Louis DeBrusque joining us. Thanks, Louis. We'll talk next week or in weeks to come. All right. That's Louis DeBrusque. You bet. Uh, he is our guest for touchback safety. Touchback remains open for training and taking all necessary precautions to ensure the safety of their staff and clients. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Ah, small world. Gotta love Edmonton. Uh, We're going to take a step out here. You're listening to Oilers Now. It's 1253 in Edmonton. Hi, this is Leon Dreisaitl from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on 630 Chad. Jordan in Calgary, uh, Texas. Thank you very much, Leon. Uh, texting us saying, hey, Bob, uh, Eddie Vedder's a Cubs fan, not a White Sox fan. There might be a brawl if he found out that you said that he cheered for the Sox. I, I was referencing Black Jack McDowell, who, of course, played for the Chicago White Sox. But you are correct, Jordan. Uh, I believe five or six times uh, Eddie Vedder's son take me out to a ball game. Not as many as the legendary Harry Carey. And I'm going to guess probably... You know, Harry used to have a seven-up or two, sometimes spiked uh, back in the day 
uh, when he was the legendary Chicago Cubs broadcaster. Thank you very much, Jordan and Calgary, for pointing that out. Uh, Bob, I've seen Pearl Jam 10-plus times, and it hasn't been nearly enough, and I've said it to you before, the Oilers need to uh, come out at the start of the game right from the get-go. Is he inferring that they need to come out with Pearl Jam? Um, I'm not sure, you know. <laughs> One year we had Adele, <laughs> which I, I like Adele too, but <laughs> I was like, that was about 25 to 30 minutes before uh, the players hit the ice. There used to be, they'd play this Adele song in the building, had me chuckle. Anyhow, you can, uh, Brennan, you a big fan of Adele? I I appreciate Adele. I don't necessarily listen to Adele. Hey, she's got a great voice. Do we not? Absolutely. I mean, I mean huge uh, talent. Nobody would ever uh, debate that for a second. Uh, so I, I just don't know if that's necessarily <laughs> the, the sort of song you want to have 20 to 25 minutes. Uh, I just wanted to get everybody comfortable in the building and that sort of thing. Uh, again, you can text us at 780-496-0063. Uh, keep it coming here. Uh, crazy idea from Jason and Red Deer. Crazy idea, Bob. Sign Ryan Nugent Hopkins and then trade him for Patrick Laine. Yeah, that's not going to happen. Here's the thing. If you sign a player, you just you got to be careful about turning around and flipping them right away. Like, there are other elements to the relationship. Um, trust between management and players is an important one. We have a lot of people that think, the, listening to the show right now, they think, well, uh, you know what? Edmonton gave a four-year deal to Zach Cassian, and he wasn't very good in the playoffs. And Zach would be the first to tell you that he did not impact the game the way he needed to impact the game. I would suggest to you that Zach Cassian is a player that plays better when there's fans. And Chicago played a super quiet game. They did not want to physically engage. If it's Calgary, it's a completely different sort of game as Zach Cassian. But it's, I don't know if you can just turn around and flip a guy out of here after you've just given him a four-year contract extension. Or if you do get a deal done with Ryan Nugent Hopkins on a seven- or eight-year extension, if you trade him right away. Like, I, I just, to me, that's, you know, you're trying to, you know, you. I think Edmonton needs every advantage it can get. And one of the ways it can get an advantage is by having... Um, some continuity with a manager and a coach. Another way it can get some advantages is is if there's a perception of trust. And at this stage, I believe for the managers in the league and, and for the players and the agents, the players and the agents have trust in Ken Holland, that his word is his word. And that's maybe why you can't just turn around and, and trade guys like it's a fantasy hockey pool. Or, you know, fantasy football pool if you're in one of those. 12.58 in Edmonton. Look, there's no dumb ideas on this show, but the point is I wouldn't maybe uh, do things in that fashion. I just think it would come back to bite you. Off to a global news weather traffic update with Eileen Bell. And when we return for the Canadian Power Pack, Brian Burke. This is Oilers Now. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio. 630 Chad.